The following is a CA original. They're not going to rook us. Take that for data. I learned a long time ago against the Spurs, if you don't have mental stability when they punch you in the mouth, you're in the wrong business because, you know, we saw what they can do at their place if you don't take that punch right. So um, I really thought we did a good job of just sustaining, you know, and weathering storms. You just got to really be mentally tough to play against San Antonio Spurs and be able to, you know, battle through tough times. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, Ron Tillery, with columnist Jeff Conkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. Welcome in into another playoff edition of the Grizzlies Podcast. Ron Tillery, Jeff Calkins, Chris Harrington here. The band is back together uh, to preview game five. The Spurs and the Grizzlies are knotted at two games apiece in this best of seven series. And the Grizzlies came home, guys, and won a couple games, and 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 one of them was that epic Game Four overtime victory uh, last Saturday, and uh, it has to go down as one of the, the great Grizzly playoff games ever, huh? I've got it. I got it. Top three. I did a little thing in the column today. It's definitely, I think, in the top three. So, what in are your terms top of three? What are your top three? I got the Clippers game six, 2013, the exorcism. Yeah. I got the Spurs game six, 2011, the first series win in franchise history. And I got Saturday night, which I think, if you remove all the historical trappings and context and all that, just the quality of the basketball game on the floor, I think that may be the best game we've had. I don't know. I, what do you guys uh, think? I, I, I think that's certainly. I think in terms of big play after big play after big play culminating in a winning shot in that sort of tension we've never and and two transcendent performances by one on each team we've never had that in a in a tense meaningful game um I do think the historical trappings I would probably and some of this it's funny some of this will depend if they go on to the Western Conference Finals this year right, right. which which I don't want to get ahead of ourselves but they could then we'll look back at that game as truly one of the it, magnificent it accrue, performances it may, it may accrue more meaning yes. if go. they lose the right. next two it'll accrue, accrue less meaning I I don't have we talked about this a little bit earlier Chris I still I, I still include road games as as among the greatest ever, and so I'll put the first win, the the Battier shot, somewhere in my top three. I think I don't know. I don't know that I could limit it to three because the two game sixes you mentioned, I think, were both would both be there, and this one and the Battier game would probably be the ones. You know, game two against Golden State was huge, but because they didn't win the series, I sort of I, I set that aside. The Mike Conley the Mike Conley mask game, Ron. Oh yeah, I mean all those are, are right there. I I don't mind putting the loss in it because we always talk about. The triple overtime yeah, game right. against the Thunder as being one of the all-time great Grizzlies games and all-time great games in FedEx form. So the fact that they lost doesn't change that. And it for did me. have big play after big play after big play. We oh, just, no it just, it's just, just it's just Oklahoma City made more of them. <laughs> yeah. right. It's just the other yeah. they, they were the Spurs in this one. So so game four against the Spurs in this series was was uh, as you guys alluded to was definitely epic because it was a heavyweight battle and I think one of the critical moments in that game came very early when the Grizzlies fell behind 10 and then Mike Conley took over which means the Grizzlies absolutely punched back and that was something they were unable to do down in San Antonio so as we look ahead to game five I think it's going to be extremely critical to withstand the the haymaker that the Spurs may come out with initially 
well, to continue your boxing metaphor, I think the Spurs have been cut. <laughs> like, they, they still have the heavier punch. You know, mm-hmm. they've got the home court advantage. They've got the best player. But they've been cut now. Mm-hmm. And so I think the series, to me, we'll see what happens on Tuesday night. But I feel like the series has changed a little bit. I think it's a real dogfight now. Well, the question is, is this, and we've seen this before. We saw it in the, in the series against the Clippers where the Grizzlies lost the first two and then came back and and one two and then they went out and then game five they won on the road that that's where they because the clippers at that point their aura of invincibility was gone and so can the grizzlies go do the same thing mike conley today during media availability said that he said this is the exact same situation and it's interesting because very clearly among fans i think there has been a shift fans now have said damn we can win this. And I don't think most were really saying that. Certainly after games one and two, they weren't saying that. Fisdale and the veterans say they have believed that all along. But Mike did allow that the, the, the newcomers, the new guys, they didn't necessarily believe it all along. They had to be shown that they could do this and could, could compete against the Spurs and could beat the Spurs. And so can they take that newfound confidence on the road with them? Can, yeah. can Jamichael have the game that he had? Can, can Andrew Harrison and have, make the plays that he made? Can, can, those, can Wayne Selden, who was a disaster, can, can those and then the first, can those can all of that be transported back to San Antonio? They they got enough of secondary players making shots at home. They had you know Troy Vince Daniels, Vince. Well, Vince is a vet, he didn't make a lot in in the, in the first two. Though, that's either. true. Yeah. But like, but yeah. Troy Daniels made a couple of shots. Right. You've you've seen Jamichael Green make some threes at home. You've seen Wayne Selden in Game Three make some threes. Mm-hmm. They got enough offense around the core at home, and so the question I agree with you. Well, that now got confidence carry over back in San Antonio. Will those guys be able to step up and do enough? Yeah, they do believe that secondary players because, I mean, let's face it, they wet the bed in game, uh, games one and two. And if you almost wonder if it was anybody else but Pop who pulled the plug on a playoff game, as he did in game three, yep. by pulling his starters in the first minute of the second half, would they just be roundly criticized? And I bring that up only because what you guys are talking about is – is the shift in that Popovich kind of helped it. Like, I mean, he may have unintentionally given this Grizzlies team some momentum that he can't stop because if those secondary players go down to San Antonio and ball out like they have here at home, then, yeah, they, they'll, they'll be more than cut, the Spurs. <laughs> they'll be on the ropes. Right. I mean, it, uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been saying again, I've been saying on this podcast since January that I didn't believe in the Spurs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean I thought the Grizzlies were going to beat them in a playoff series. That meant I didn't think they were at the level of their their regular season record, mm-hmm. which well, which is, would not be unprecedented for a Spurs team. But I, I think I think we're seeing now that, that that vulnerability is very real. You think of the Spurs as like this machine, this balanced team that just plays like a unit, and we're seeing that there's depending on Kawhi Leonard, as Houston is on James Harden, or Oklahoma City is. On on Russell Westbrook like it it is it is a hero ball team not by choice I wonder how much you know we know the Grizzlies just got to keep doing what they're doing I I don't see another adjustment I mean I mean if it ain't broke don't fix it right for them but I wonder how much upside is there with San Antonio in this series in that Manu hasn't made a shot in 15 tries the whole series um um LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't looked particularly good uh in the series and Danny Green Danny Green and, you know, does Pop 
play smaller with Kawhi at the four? Does he insert a younger guy like Simmons instead of Manu? I, what do you guys think I about? Think, the, yeah, I think, yeah, like two things. One is we, we've talked about the Grizzlies role players and can they take it back to San Antonio? The San Antonio role players played much better in San Antonio than they mm-hmm. did here. So that even, even the ones who were playing, but I think you're exactly right. I think I don't think the upside is that Mano's going to start playing well. I think the upside is that Mano will start playing less, and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they may well put Kawhi at the four. And I do think that this is when you're going to start seeing the proverbial to just switch from boxing to a board game chess match yeah. because I do, I do expect Pop to start making some of those changes. I think win or lose, they're going to start transitioning into next year's Spurs. We saw this in 2011 over the course of that series where like Dewan Blair was out and Tiago Splitter had been a bench guy was in and he became right. their starter the next season. And I think if memory serves, I think we saw some other stuff on perimeter like that. I think this is going to be over the course of this series, the Jonathan Simmons up, Manu Ginobili down. It's going to be the Davis Bertans, like their new reincarnated um, Matt Bond or right. him up, David Lee down. I think that kind of stuff is going to continue to shift during the series. Yeah, and it'll force uh, Fisdale to make a decision. You know, how much do you use Zach? Uh, right. And, and how much do you rely on, you know, maybe Brandon Wright or other guys who haven't had an opportunity to play a lot in this series? We saw the Troy Daniels pop up. It seemed yeah. like he'd been out of the mix. That was and, interesting. And what up. do you think inspired him to stick with Troy Daniels at that moment? Because that was before Vince got hurt, wasn't it? That was, it yes. was. It was before well, he got hurt. because because you know, yeah, because yeah, he, match him with, he realized he could match him up with Manu yeah. and it wouldn't get killed. Exactly. And, and so if and Manu two big shots, yeah. If Manu's out and now you have the six seven or whatever athletic Jonathan Simmons in, can you still get by with Troy Daniels? The topic of whether Kawhi would spend more time on Mike in Game Five and going forward came up today, and Fisdale said. He didn't think so because they count on him so heavily on the offensive end. It's as you point out, Chris, it's now hero ball that they play that he doesn't think he can do it all. He doesn't think you can basically say, Kawhi, you have to do both things on both ends all game long. In game four, he made the switch when Conley came back in in the fourth quarter with like five minutes to go or four minutes to go in the fourth. He 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 hadn't done it until then except for one play at a time here and there. But he made the switch as that is the primary assignment for Kawhi Leonard those last four or five minutes of regulation and then the overtime. So I got to think at the very least we'll see that again if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's winning time. Yeah, and and now you got to put your best guy on their best guy. Speaking of Kawhi, it's hero ball, but they almost have to play it, don't they? I mean, he he has and, been and he's a hero. Off, yeah, he is a hero. He's been out of this universe, uh, you know, with that display in Game Four. I mean, well, I wrote it today. I went back and looked from the the four thirty mark of the fourth quarter through the end of the game. That's nine and a half minutes. That's not even a full quarter of basketball. He had twenty four points. Mm-hmm. That's like Wilt Chamberlain level yeah, scoring, 16 right? points in a row. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that was that was one of the, you know, I mean Tony Parker we saw when they closed out the um conference finals here have just incredible game in FedEx for him, but I'm not sure that Kawhi last night or Saturday night for a stretch wasn't the best I've ever seen in this yeah. building. Interesting uh call for uh, uh Fisdale to give the ball to Mark at the uh end of that overtime. Uh, when Mark hadn't played with or without an well. option, right. that was hilarious. That, to me, one of my favorite parts because Mark has been so grumpy after in all the mm-hmm. honestly in all the post games, he's been so grumpy. And this time, as Mike was describing the play, um, he said he Mike said he thought that, that there was an option that that he might get the ball. And Mark's like, <laughs> I had no idea that was part of the option. Well, he was decisive. He spun very quickly. Yes. It, it wasn't a hesitation. But we've talked a lot about the secondary players. But 
isn't it true that Mike, Mark, that's why I brought Mark up because he's got to bounce back. Mike, Mark, and Zach have to play really, really well in San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you watch when you watch Game Four, I mean, Gasol had sort of an up and down game. He had seven turnovers of all different kinds. A couple of those were offensive fouls that were probably shoddy calls, but five even if you take those away. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he made some big plays even before the game winner. He had the the, the hoop and harm after the Andrew Harrison block, which yeah. was a big play. And I think underrated. He sealed the defensive boards in the second half. The Spurs had six offensive rebounds in the first half. They had two the rest of the game. And so I think he did that well. But if they're going to get, they're going to, they're going to refocus on Mike Conley even more in game five. Gasol has got to be more decisive, be more decisive in, in, in what he does. Mm-hmm. He can't hold the ball when they're coming at him with double teams. That's where the turnovers happen. He was at his best in game five when he made quick decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got to be more decisive, I think. I think that's probably, it's, it's an interesting, because one of the one of the themes today was that they got away with a pretty imperfect game for game four and with with, with the turnovers with falling but that you pointed out around the slow starts which have been a thing mm-hmm. uh, they obviously started fast in game one but since then they haven't right. um, but the 23 turnovers and so yeah ye, I'll tell you that Mark Mike and Zebo have to be great but they don't all have to be at their apex. I mean, Mark certainly wasn't the other night. Zebo actually, I think, led the team in plus minus the other night, but it was a quiet night for Zebo mm-hmm. because you had the role players doing what they did. So it's some combination of these good things has to happen, but I don't think all of these good things simultaneously have to happen. And I think that's what we've learned is who the hell scares you? Tony Park was, has been alternately good, mm-hmm. but who scares you besides Kawhi on this team? That's it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we can discount the fact that Lamarcus Aldridge could get it going. He could. Yeah. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's due for a twenty ten kind of game. Exactly. It hasn't happened. Right. I don't know if he scares you in the sense that Zach tends to neutralize him because all they do is wrestle. Right. There's that. <laughs> you know? and that's not his game. That's not that's, Aldridge's that's game. That's not his game. No. No. So that's not Powell's game. That's not David Lee's game. No. Although David Lee was inserted into the starting lineup in Game Four, I'm, I'm not so sure that happens for Game Five, and was the most active guy on the floor. For the first four minutes or so. Yeah, he made a couple plays. Yeah. How much do you all, just to go back to where this started, it was down 2-0, and we didn't really know what to make of the second half in game two. Was it that something changed, or was it that the Spurs had sort of, you know, were mailed it in a little bit in game two? It becomes clear that something maybe had changed. And then Fisdale says what he says. Is that just narrative that we like and celebrate because it enabled us to wear T-shirts and have signs and all of that? Or was it significant internally and to what actually then happened on the basketball court, the, the Fisdale rant. How significant was that? Well, I, I think he did it in part to back up the effort that they gave in the second half of that right. game. If, if 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 they hadn't gotten into four, there's no rant. I mean, if right. they lost by if they lost by thirty, even if you'd yeah. done the rant, it wouldn't have the same effect. Right. No, right? no, but they got into four. They did have a chance to win the game, and then and then he went out and fought for his guys with that rant and said. You know, you play hard. You gave yourself a chance. The officials didn't. I think part of it was the Spurs let up, and I think part of it was the young guys playing harder in garbage time, not against the Spurs frontline people. And I think uh, that's the credit to Fisdale, who often talks about playing every possession because, you know, you may carry that momentum of that play into the next play, into the next game. And that clearly happened with the the Andrew Harrisons and and the James Ennises uh, cuz they they built off of that. 
Chris, how much do you think? How, what do you think the significance of it was? Well, I agree with Ryan. I, I, I think, I think, I think the two things worked in concert with each other. I don't think, I think the rant built on the comeback, right? Yeah. Um, and I think without the comeback, a you probably don't get the rant like Ryan says. Right. But even if you do, it falls a little flat. Right. right. It, it's sort of the cherry on top of this rally that sort of had you clearly been don't building. get. You clearly don't get the rant if you don't have the comeback. That would have seemed absurd. Right. right. I do think the rant rant had meaning though. Like I, I think the comeback without the rant would have not have had the impact. It certainly, I think it certainly fired up the. Building more, it fired than, up the building, yeah, and I, yeah. I do think part of what happened here is that they just sat back in games one and two, largely. And I think partly because maybe they were home, partly, but partly because of the rant, they said the hell with it, and they no longer sat back, and they just. Well, they, we, we've had this history, even though they beat the Spurs in 2011. We've had this history where. We we build up as a city lots of sport hate for the Clippers, right? Right. And we build up a lot for the Thunder over the years because we could hate Russell Westbrook. Right. When I say we, I mean the city, not yeah. the people mm-hmm. in this room. Could hate Russell Westbrook and hate Kendrick Perkins, and you sort of just get it built up and get. Mm-hmm. That's been harder to generate for the Spurs, not just for the it's Grizzlies, been more deferential. but for everybody. Yeah, yes, people it's have been, been, deferential. It's been deferential. Where does Mark, Mark asked what to do? How should do? He said, "Go play for the Spurs. They're right, the greatest right. organization in Fisdale, <laughs> slamming the pin on the table. You know, take that for data. Sort of punctures." Put just a little right. hole in, in that deferential Yeah, part of the message was, you know, because he talked about um, uh, they're not going to rook us and, you know, punk us. And, you know, he's probably telling these young guys, stop being intimidated. Right. I'm not, right. you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, and so, yeah, I, he's he's kind of subtly has success with these little psychological tools that he uses. I, I think he's had deal. a really, really yeah. good series. I, I still... I'm not sure that he didn't leave, leave Mike Conley out a little long when they then when they when they squandered the ten point lead. It was really only a minute and a half, but man, right. it was ca- a catastrophic minute. But and Mike a half. was dog tired. Mike took himself out. Right, he was he was super tired, and, and he explained it privately. He said, "If I didn't go out then, once you get under five minutes, he couldn't. Have, then you couldn't, couldn't have, have got, it, and then he would have just been toast. So he needed a blow. But and, but and, um, but in in a lot of ways, both." By putting Zach in the back in the lineup, which showed humility and flexibility that every coach doesn't have, by and we've said this a million times, by liberating Mark to be a different kind of player, but then in particular by liberating and demanding that Mike be a different kind of player, and yeah. we saw the culmination of that. So I don't know X's and O's, whatever how he matched up, how he's been matching up against Popovich, although it seems. Like he's done pretty darn well in that regard. But I think you've seen the fruition of what he's been doing all year long with Mike in this series. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. All right. So game five, Tuesday night, late start, 8 p.m. at the AT&T Center. We all sat here in a previous podcast and said Spurs in five. But what we do know is, in addition to us being wrong, there will be a game six in FedEx Forum on Thursday. So now what do we think? Or do we have to wait and see who wins the pivotal game five? I, I don't know. I'm loath to make a prediction on this. I, <laughs> I, I, I think I'll be surprised if game five is not a competitive game. I don't think it's going to be a full-on Spurs restoration in San Antonio. I think it's going to be another fight. I agree with that because – you know, the series was kind of strange. You know, two blowouts, and the Grizzlies come home and blow them out, and you were waiting for that epic, which is what we, what we got in Game 4. There so I the, think that continues. There are those who have theorized mm-hmm. that if you're going to beat them, this is the time. Not Game 7, but this is the time. I don't know. Like, I think they're fully capable of beating them in Game 7 as well. But, mm-hmm. but do, you, do you believe that, that carry the momentum? This is exactly what happened against the Clippers. You go beat them in Game 5. I believe it's much easier for the Grizzlies to win this in 6 than 7. I do believe that. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later.
Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Commercial Appeal. 